You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. Ziggy Stardust. Um, Sam Romo here sitting down with my dad uh, going over one of, I know it's one of our mutually f- uh, favorite Bowie albums. Um, you know, probably one of his most classic. Uh, trying to think. Um, just want to make sure I get the full title right before we get this officially started. <laughs> so it's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Um, it's released uh, June 16th, 1972. Uh, basically one year right after Hunky Dory. Uh, it's a very unique album. It's a concept album, um, but when you see like interviews with them, um, whether it was um, uh, Angie Bowie or, or David or Ronson um, or any of the Spiders from Mars, it's much, it's a loose concept. You know, it was something that they kind of pieced together as they were coming up with it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, kind of like Sergeant Pepper. Well, that that's that's conceptual, but it's also it's kind of loose. There's not like a, a strong backbone to it. Although with Ziggy, I would say it's more of a, a straightforward concept because there's a, you know, a lead character. There's mm-hmm. an environment that he's building. There's um, a lot of different characters and stuff like that. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. Do you have anything to? Say or? Well, when you said it came out in 1972, I remember that would be, um, I would be, um, uh, I guess, a freshman uh, in high school. And uh, so I was listening to a lot of music at the time and uh, the whole thing from uh, England, uh, T-Rex and uh, Bowie and those things were beginning to pop up on television. There was a show that they would show at night called In Concert. They would actually put on different shows and different uh, different rock bands from around the country and the world. I think it was one of the first times I saw Bowie. And um, so, like you said, that the concept album plus he created a persona. He created a, a, a something that someone that identity like a that people identify with that character almost like a well. He was thinking almost like movies, you know. Like mm-hmm. a, he he wanted to create someone that he could put out on the on the on the stage that could kind of what could perform. They were looking at the concept of performing as part of their music, which that that was kind of a different concept in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course it had to be something little controversial, shocking because it caught people's attention. Yeah. Um, and so. stick. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very. I mean, the the concept itself is of a uh, alien, um, gay or bi, you know, superhero basically coming yeah. down to Earth to save save the Earth with uh, with his music and his message. Um, it's definitely not. Um, typical for that time because I mean this was this was June 16th 1972 when it came out and then you know Hunky Dory was a year before that and and with that album and the album prior The Man Who Sold the World you know you see a very long haired uh, Bowie and well even on the cover of both of them he's wearing a dress yeah um and and when you when you when you listen to it, I mean, they're they're very I don't know like we were just talking about this the other day they're not when you hear Space Oddity and the album that came out 
or the music that came out with that song on the out the, his original albums and his first or first songs in the original album i mean uh it's just not it's not as in your face it's more of the the, the typical 60s music and then when you mm-hmm. get to that uh the man who sold the world it's it's you know you have ronson who's adding in this proto-punk heavy guitar it's just like you know it's just taking him up a, a notch because prior to that you just had bowie with the long-haired hippie <laughs> kind of look but but it was because he, you know, he he was just in that normal garb. The, well, he went from a mod look to the long-haired look, and he was always playing his guitar and, and a saxophone. But then when you bring in what it would become the Spiders from Mars, that just introduces that, that real rock element, that like foundation of of you know. I don't want to just say like his, his wall of sound, but you know, like what that, that what you kind of would expect. You know, you you'd want to hear the the, the hard hitting beat, this primal, intense guitar, and um, you know his unique um, vocals and his lyrics and story. You know, um, uh, writing. Um, but by the time you get to this album, it's like he he's over that. It's like he you need the next thing. Um, and um, and it was actually because um, I was watching that documentary, the uh, Beside Bowie, the Ronson story, and then there's another documentary for this album uh, where they they interview the Spiders and uh, and Angie, and um, which was you know his wife from 1970 to 1980, um, and she talks about how I mean she they. They they could tell you know he was so theatrical and just so out there that like they they needed an approach that fit the bill you know fit the the personality and and so she would you know she started pushing him to you know commenting that there needs to be more theater in it there needs to be something that fits his personality um, and so she you know she would arranged. Um, meeting with tailors to look at or going to shops and looking for those outrageous outfits meeting these artists i mean they all they were all in the scene but i mean she was she's a very like driven person and and she comes from marketing and so that was her that was like almost like her responsibility to the group was the outside perspective you know the appreciation of what they're doing but let's help curate it right and um so it's interesting. I mean, yeah, she's the one that showed, you know, that they, that's how he was led to that outfit he would wear when he would do the tour as Ziggy, the gold and red and, you know, very out there looking colors, you know, something like the fool would make at the time or something like that, which is very, you know, vibrant and, um, just different, definitely eye catching. Um, but yeah, again, um, like we've said before, you know, once once he meets Ronson and they click, I mean, they just click to where they understood each other. When Bowie would present something, he knew how to accompany it with a with that guitar, um, with his guitar style, but with a um, a style that that added on. I mean, it was like a spice. It was like, I mean, it, it, it's like you listen to. Uh, uh, space oddity and it's filled with so much complexity and it's all over the place um, but then you you listen to Hunky Dory uh, Man Who Sold the World and then this album and that guitar is like the backbone of it it's like a especially since the majority of this of those three albums it is that kind of proto-punk period mm-hmm. so he's carving out that lane of like, like we've, what we've said before at that time like there's a lot of general 
um, definitions of rock. There weren't these you know subgenres laid out and identified yet. And so with him, that was so probably enthralling to a lot of those new audiences of just like, what is that? You know, what is that sound? It's like it sounds you know just otherworldly. And I think that's what matches their aesthetic and their sound to this album very well. And why it all kind of came to a great you know pinnacle of uh, of expression of showing that that's that's what they were going for. I didn't want to be typical. I didn't want it to be expected. And and he proves that in later tours and personas and on and on. But in this one, it was like the first huge step in the like, we want you to know that we're not trying to be of this world. <laughs> yeah, I was very flashy, flamboyant, like you said, coming from the hunky-dory period, which was very uh, uh, gay, uh, dra drag queenish. You know I mean? He wanted the flash and the flamboyancy of that, but he also wanted uh, the otherworldliness, the space out of the character concept. So he comes up with uh, Ziggy. He, he, he wants to make a, a, a record where he... Uh, he has a theatrical persona that he can perform, and like you said about Angie, he uh, some of the stuff I read was that they would go to, uh, he would take the band or they would watch theater and and ballet hmm. just to see how they moved and the things that they did to project their characters, so that they would be better. Um, they would be thinking in terms of theater too. In other words, this is what's happening in the '70s with, um, I would say the. Uh, Maybe the American parallel to a certain extent would be Alice Cooper because Alice Cooper is ha happening at the same time. And Cooper is, is similar in the sense that he creates a persona called Alice Cooper. Mm. And so when he comes on stage, they perform. They're playing music, but they have a performance that people expect to see. Bowie's doing the same thing. Mm. But he decides, okay, I'm going to be the show. You know, yeah. I'm going to be Ziggy Stardust. And, yeah. and, uh, and as you see, especially in that time period, um, the... Um, the fans and the people just get totally in, uh, uh, you know, immersed in his character. They, 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 they think he's Ziggy. You know, they want. They're, they're, they're assuming you're going to always be Ziggy. To Bowie, it's just another persona, yeah. which we know that's what he does. But, um, but this happens to be his big breakout. You know. Yeah, and this is more of almost like like what you're saying. His, the the influence of the musicals and ballet and stuff like that. And this 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 album plays out like a rock opera. You know, it's yes. more theatrical. And I mean, so with the, the tours and, um, that was another thing I, I looked into was the, the live, the film for, for this album. And, it, you know, similar to the, the let it be documentary, it's kind of limited by the, the capabilities of the time, mm -hmm. like the lighting capabilities, the, um, the audio. I mean, it's just, it's, it captures some moments for sure, but it's dark, you know, it's not, I don't know. Yeah, you it's, can't see it very well. Yeah, and it, and it, and it, it's one of those things where it's like if you're a super fan, like you're going to respect it and you're going to appreciate it, but it's like if you're trying to use this as your immersive experience of what it was like, it's probably not going to, especially in modern times, like with how, you know, outrageous, you know, live film, concert films can be, you know, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's a little lackluster, but... But the, um, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. I wanted to talk about how the, um, how the, the concept of the, the alien rock and roll star, mm -hmm. how it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's poetic. Cause it, it, it's, to me, it's like, you know, he, it's a self-reflection. It's a, it, it's the, you know, there's nothing very typical about the guy already. Um, but, and, and it's almost like, 
I mean, this is speculation, but it's almost like, you know, if he's trying so hard to become this rock and roll star, this influence, this cultural influence in society or whatever he wanted it to be, then it's like Ziggy is like the, the epitome of that. Because, I mean, it's like a the hero that comes on a mission and he's received well, you know, he's immediately put on the radio, you know, it's just like, it just like, it, it speaks to that ego of a superstar. Um, and, 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 you know, and you see it evolve, you know, later on, like with Aladdin Sane and, and then white Duke, I mean, he goes, he goes nuts. He goes straight into that stardom yeah. life and just gets, you know, well, doesn't he say making love to his ego, Ziggy yeah. sucked up into his mind. And that's really, to me, it's like, okay, that's what he was doing. You know, he was the, leper messiah right that's uh and right. um so who's there was a what was the guy that was at the american and he went to france did you see come across that there was this guy who went to france and he had been a semi popular person in america a musician but he goes to france and he has this big breakout and and the french people love him right. and um but he gets he gets so caught up in his self in his in his uh, performing and his you know the, i guess the, the explosiveness of his short you know meteoric career mm-hmm. he I don't know if it's he takes drugs or he loses it, and he comes out one night on on a stage dressed like a, like Jesus, and he says, "I'm no longer who I'm, I was. I'm the Messiah, and I'm here to." Yeah. And, well, Bowie was was fascinated with that guy, and so he, yeah. that's where he gets the the the, the Genesis con, the idea of of of, um, of okay, I'm going to make a character based on him, and he 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 gets the name, you know, Ziggy Stardust, and he get it from a, I think he saw it in front of a building or something. Well, he he I know he gets like Ziggy is a he wanted like kind of a Christian name and an out out of left field kind of atypical Christian name and so he he picked that and then Stardust uh, so I think I think the the I can't remember the man you're, you're describing um I know I have I have his album on my phone just for the sake of remembering but um I know the that one of the interesting things I, I didn't know about this um, is that the stardust part of the name comes from um, um, an artist named the legendary Stardust Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and he's like the founder of that psycho Billy like nonsense kind of like <laughs> just rambling over like just you know that kind of bluesy country rock stuff and it's just madness I mean the guy would play the crazy guitar with the trumpet in his hand and then go off and play the trumpet while just yelling and hooting and hollering and the dude was from Grand Prairie <laughs> um, so it's funny something in the yeah. water <laughs> I mean he's literally a stone throw away from where we are right now it's Vince Taylor that was Vince Taylor yes mm-hmm. that's what it is. yeah and he he was yeah he he was like it, went on an ego trip and was yeah. saying he was sent by God and yeah he had a breakdown yeah <laughs> um, but yeah that so like those were kind of like the the name and and character and and like what we were talking about before you had people like uh, Mark Bolin and T Rex that were those glam rock pioneers that were already wearing makeup they were already using these space themes in you know in their later sixties types of music and and. He definitely drew from that. I mean, this is all kind of oh, yeah. a culmination and kind of respect or homage to that that that, that energy, you know. Um, let's see, I'm just looking at my notes to see if I have anything to mention. Anything else? But yeah, um, I did want to say it like this too: is like the 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 concept of adding. Um, more aspects to their shows and to the, the the concept of the artists themselves. I mean that that was that that was the other dimension to it that that was really taking shape in this in this period because um, 
it's one of my favorite little um, document docu series, the CNN Decades series, where they'll have an episode for each like kind of like aspect of culture in America, right. and or 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 the world history. I'm sorry, and it's. Um, there's always a music episode, and those are really interesting. Um, if you haven't seen them, you should check them out. Um, but the uh, the '70s one is really interesting because they they talk about that aspect of theater coming into play, like the stage complexity, just ever evolving of you know of showing like they're now they're not just satisfied, which is a good guy on a guitar doing a good job and singing well on the stage. They need to see something too. They need to mm -hmm. they need to be you know just 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 inundated by by senses by by sensation and just feeling like you know there there's lights there's lasers there's smoke there's there's you know video there's there's uh, paintings there's cutouts moving there's all sorts of things um and and this was one of those first swipes at that because i mean you know you probably expect something like that to come out of the beatles maybe if they were still touring but that wasn't their bag that's not what they did and so it's like someone had to pick that up someone had to realize like yeah you know, he takes the sergeant peppers concept and decides he, he wants to perform it he doesn't want to stay in a studio and and so he he wants that interaction of the fans but he also wants to be able to display right in other words what's the purpose of a character if you can't put yeah. him out in front of people and see how they react to him. Oh, and like my little note, I thought this was funny. Well, Bowie wanted to enhance the sound and vision of the uh, the impact of their act. <laughs> <laughs> Even as it says on the uh, CD, and I think it's on the album too, at the very small line of note, there's one last note that says, this is meant to be played at maximum volume. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the... Um, the the fact that they were rocking but he's coming out with in you know with a glam look with the with the reddish orange hair and and the kabuki kind of look and the mm. and, and the different costumes and it was obvious that it was um it was making the audience want to anticipate well what is he going to do next yeah you know and what is he going to how is he going to move and yeah. you know and so you're you're not just listening to the music but you're watching the performer you know yeah. uh, and 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 it's becoming a, a, a total experience which is exactly what he wanted right. to a certain degree um because like you said with vince taylor he he watched this guy become a big hit and then he just exploded imploded on himself imploded. and he's like okay i'm gonna use that theme and that's going to be Ziggy, yeah. except he's going to come from outer space and he's going to try to come in and, and interact with people. But then he's going to implode. He's going to he's going to go. He's going to go crazy. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was reading when I was looking and thinking about this and looking and preparing for it was that he um, it, it almost it foreshadowed what was going to happen to Bowie is, you know, as right. he went on in his career. He, it, but again, he. But he wanted that flash. He wanted yeah. that. Um, well, and and the the spiders. I mean, in those in that documentary, they comment that they they saw him. You know, they saw him change, and and like the, that period, the hunky dory, um, Ziggy period to them, it was all kind of the same because yeah. they they lived at his house um, with that Angie, him and Angie owned, and so they they said that they literally for a year right, saw they lived in his house for in sleeping bags, just wake up every morning. You make coffee and breakfast, jam all day, figure it out. That's all they were doing constantly. And and then once they got on the road and it became marketable and presentable and craved by a, an audience, they saw his ego start to take over and him actually turn into the character. Um, and... Um, yeah, it's very interesting. And then the thing you're saying about how, you know, people didn't know what to expect and stuff like that. It's interesting because even RCA, his his label, they, they didn't know how to market it. 
because oh, no. because they he that's what they kept telling them um, that he's going in a new direction. And like so, oh, what yeah. does that mean? Like what if we don't know how to how to do handle that? And so the this album wasn't originally received well commercially. Like it no. didn't it didn't it didn't sell well immediately. The the critics that paid attention to it enjoyed it, um, but it wasn't something that just you know broke through and cut through like a knife in the market. And people were like, this is the future. It was a very like oddity that was just kind of in the background and if you saw it you you must be in that scene and that's about yeah. it yeah um yeah it's very interesting now again i remember you know in high school and and, and getting into that watching this come to you know rising up this movement or whatever the the theatrical rock glam rock punk rock um because it was part of it was the show part of it was the um and and so you you got an audience because people wanted to check you out and watch what you were doing but if you could you know if you actually could play music then then they realized well this is just good music and then like i told you that that was also the rise of the fm uh, radio oh, so man. they would play the music that wouldn't be played on pop stations mm. they didn't care whether you had a 45 or a single if they liked the music they played the music yeah and people who were following that were listening and said okay well you know i like this this song or like you said about the you know rca they they insisted that he come up with some kind of a you know song that had a good sound and so he made starman yeah which yeah which and then that one's kind of funny because it was one of the last ones he one wrote of the last ones. and and the only reason why he had it what it made it was because of that request because they they realized they need to make him approachable somehow and they need a single you know especially back then that's what you had to do and what's funny is it that song wasn't planned and and it would actually replace a a, a cover a Chuck Berry cover um oh. song that was yeah. going to be on the album and so it's just interesting because Angie talks about that in that documentary about how you know just almost like a just it just it came to him like it's a, just, yeah last minute thing yeah, yeah but then it was one of the most successful songs oh, yeah. on the album yeah uh, several of the uh, uh, recollections I was reading about you know uh, people that are now you know play bands or make music or you know that they said when when they saw that song played on the pop shows that, that was it that was what mm. that's what it captivated them and made them want to play music or mm. or get involved in that kind of stuff because they had never seen someone come out like that dressed like a star man and they then just the sound of the music you know yeah. and so it 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 was different and i think like you said ronson uh, my perspective with ronson is you know if you take ronson out of uh, the ziggy stardust it's not it's going to be completely different uh, no. because his style his play his music his guitar makes that sound yeah and and he defined he gave i don't know bowie the the edgy dangerous look yeah i mean he right well well yeah he he offset yeah, bowie, bowie to be right. to be like this mm, it's like they they still like when you looked at how they were they 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 dressed and how they they did things they still looked, you know, similar, like clam wise and whatever. But then when you saw their musical approaches, it was so different. And in like what you're saying, like he wouldn't, Bowie wouldn't be the same. His sound wouldn't oh, no. be dubbed the same without him. It would be like Zeppelin without Jimmy Page. It'd be like, you, you take, you take that out. You could replace it. They would be something completely different. It'd be totally different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting though, because RCA still, invested a lot in them even though they they had some flops i mean like like he i read that moon age daydream was released um prior 
to the concept of Ziggy, and he recorded it with a different band, and it, and it was released as a single, and it totally flopped. Mm-hmm. It totally flopped, and and but they still invest a lot of money in them. And the fact that when they said that they when they toured, um, I think with Hunky Dory, like just they only went to like six U.S. cities, but they they paid like it was like high end touring. It was like in the suites, and they're gonna take limos and all that stuff, and so it was they they had never tasted that like the the group itself and so it's like this album really is kind of that evolution into stardom um for for him and the group but but for the group you know it, it's like what you said you know he moved on he liked to swap out personas swap out session musicians swap out oh, the yeah. tour musicians and and like ronson talks about um or not ronson i'm sorry um the bassist um in that in that uh documentary he talks about how post tour they were they didn't have any profit like they the band itself when they moved on like rca just moved on without them yeah Yeah. and um yeah but so it's pretty crazy that that you look at the those works as being so you know classic and so inspirational to a lot of musicians but just the the market didn't lean towards that artist being paid their their share post you know post career or whatever um but i mean it's kind of typical during that period um especially if you're being led by someone who's just you know constantly being approached by people wanting to collaborate with other people and i mean he worked with so many i mean that's that's a really crazy thing about his entire span of his career from working from you know a texas guitarist i mean i'm talking about stevie ray uh, vaughn and working with brian eno and 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 um even trent trent reznor in the 90s i mean it's like he just like every decade or every couple of years or every album he wanted to he's the chameleon he has to change yeah he wanted yeah. to shuffle the deck he doesn't tell the band though right that he's yeah. <laughs> he's gonna shed his skin and leave the ziggy stardust behind yeah. Yeah. well that's the interesting thing is like i'm talking about their their dynamic when they're making and writing the, those albums they were so close-knit you know almost like the beatles where they, they you know they, they went everywhere together no you know those first four or five years and you know, when they were big um and touring they went everywhere together their failures were all their failures their successes were all their successes um but you know he he was the writer you know like he was he and they say that by by the time they got the ziggy a lot of this you know he he left up to them like especially ronson ronson solos were either you know he just did them himself and then incorporated them or they were unrehearsed and they you know threw it together and it worked out but it wasn't david controlling him but everything else was you know he, he he had an expectation of how it was going and it wasn't until this album that he really start to be a, a driving force like that more of a bulldozer um but yeah um and obviously um fame drugs and the um the larger tours through america i'm sure affected him and started to get that um especially at that time we're talking the early 70s that that type of that environment in rock and roll was pretty volatile because you're either with the people like you know like when we've talked about neil young and stuff i mean the people he toured with people he worked with i mean he was losing people you know every now and then and it was you just reeled reeled from it because it was that was the environment you know there you it was just it was just different it was just totally different and it, and it started to to affect david bowie in a sense where he he just liked it and he liked to be the the man like to be the yeah, you know. center yeah or he decided that yeah he would be the i think you see that with ziggy i mean in other words how are you going to sell that if you don't believe that you're the 
you're the man. I mean, yeah. you know, the lad insane, right? I mean, that's that's where he kind of morphs from Ziggy to lad insane, and it gets kind of almost like he realizes, well, where do I go from here? Hmm. You know, what I mean, um, but he's already thinking several steps ahead. But you don't, you know, when you read, when you hear Ziggy's artist Stardust, I mean, for the first time, especially in that day, in that period, um, you know, it's like, well, what is this? You know, it's like, like almost like Sgt. Pepper's. You know, what, uh, what are they doing? What is, what is he? What is this music about? And like you said, I mean, they made a concept album, but they didn't really say they went went at it as a concept album. Right. But I think that was his intention to make a, a yeah. to have a character, build a story around it. Yeah. And especially when you perform it, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna perform it, not yeah. just not just sing it. You're gonna perform it. And and I think I think Angie talks about that 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 was purposely done too with this album is with with Hunky Dory. A lot of it was. Um, was written and performed with him on the piano mm -hmm. and they realized that you know there's songs like changes and life on mars and uh queen bitch and um um and like oh you pretty little things but even that one's kind of like a little so you might not tour that one especially at that time you know people would want something really lively um but that was that was a purposeful done the purposely done thing in this album is they wanted to make it tourable you know yeah. make get the give them good hooks so the the crowd knows what to say and and can get into it and and again ronson i think is a big uh cue to the audience oh, yeah. of when the excitement comes in when you're when you're supposed to to be thrilled you know with that primal intense sound and, you know he to me he's the uh the the you know like when you're in a live audience on a tv show and then they say something funny and you get the the laugh sign he's the excitement sign like in bowie's music it's like when you when you hear the guitar come in you're like here comes the the electricity um because it's palpable like the, the 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 things he 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 wrote and the or just performed because some of it was was ad-libbed it was just he just he did it in that session and there it is that's good we got it um it was just so unique and just so you know captivating and it's interesting that you know, he met Ronson through the drummer only because uh, Tony Visconti, the the RCA exec, he they, yeah he wanted he wanted a a different turn on things, and, uh, and the drummer was like, yeah, I know this guy who's a guitarist. He's a gardener, but he's a stellar guitarist. You should give him a shot. And then when they met him, it was just like it was instant. It's like what like his styling because that's the thing you know i'm a guitarist and and you're you're drawn to, to certain patterns certain chords certain placement on the boards and and you you start to build your character your play style and character and and it's a culmination of what you've learned who you've learned from sometimes it's on accident sometimes you know it, it's you're you you you're just experimenting or it's on accident you find an arrangement or a, a scale that you hadn't practiced yet but then you know in, in someone like him who who turned into his career he became more focused on it and and i think it was just that internal passion that kept him looking for something that's just was totally unique not not traditional not classical i'm not going for a style i'm i'm making i'm carving out something that i would like and it's it's this you know intensity and and especially at that at that time um that he got on board with them it would have been for the man who sold the world um or by the time they were recording that and um that that was what 69 um and so 69 is kind of like the, I don't know, 
68, 69, it's kind of like that jumping off point for that oh, heavier yeah. rock sound. It's pivotal because that's that Zeppelin busting out. That's you know the White Album releasing with Helter Skelter and Your Blues and some. You know, I'm, I'm just using that as a, an example of a very popular band still going towards a harder sound. Yeah. And you know, the Who getting more intense. I mean, everybody was starting to getting more intense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, um, even even um, you know Pink Floyd eventually stepping up how complex their sounds and arrangements would be. It was just that was. Like a, 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 I just feel like that was a big year for for inspiration, um, for that and 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 lean like in the market like leaning towards that sound. Um, oh, and Black Sabbath and you know bands like that popping up in those two years. Um, so I feel like him, him him coming around and 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 being melded into the band and into Bowie and it, it just it just exuded that kind of energy that was around. This isn't the the 1960s. 66 67 like summer of love type of vibe this is something aggressive and different yeah it's different <laughs> yeah yeah he creates that performance uh that theater performance character um what keeps coming to my mind is a uh, when you look at uh peter gabriel in genesis he you know he he was very similar in a sense that he loved theater and he would wear uh different costumes and elaborate costumes and he would weave all this to perform and to play the music which is very intense pro progressive rock mm. but i remember um the year after he left Genesis, uh, we actually saw him when, during high school, and um, Gabriel comes out very similar to Bowie. He doesn't wear anything. He's got a you know just a black outfit on, but he's still this theatrical. He's doing mime and he's moving in very specific theatrical ways mm. to uh, to still project that that drama and yeah. theater. Yeah. And so I'm saying it it it's like they're they're wanting to project this this character this this uh, they're in other words they're saying this is more than just music um and we want to perform we want to do stuff and it's like some fans do it good some bands don't like you said some of it's planned and some of it's just spur of the moment they just happen to do it yeah you know i think it was one of the probably one of the band members i read a quote from that said you know when we were working on this and doing this we had no idea people would still be talking about it for 30 years later mm -hmm. and, and, and still discussing it. And he said, we just were putting an album together and we just thought, we'll just do this, you know, and the character's going to, you know, Bowie's got the idea for the character and how did he know that, you know, it was going to be that huge. Or, yeah. um, but uh, more than likely, he probably was already thinking ahead and thinking, well, I'm going to morph into something else. I'm going to do something different. Yeah. In each phase, I'm just going to leave behind the thing I did before. Right. You know, and well, like um, any prideful person, yeah, you might not know what's next, but you're going to be great at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and you, and you, probably, you might be the best if you're, you know, ego. Yeah. Your ego is so swollen. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, obviously, like Ziggy says, I mean, you know, he sucked up into his mind. I mean, he, mm. but. Um, but it was a sh quite a show. I mean, you know, he it, it drew people, it made people mad and angry, but they still couldn't. It's like you couldn't, you still had to watch the train wreck. You couldn't keep your eyes off of it, you know. And um, so it it's that same thing in the 70s, you know, where the rock and roll becomes the thing that, you know, creates the schisms in, in generations. And, you know, there's music, there's pop music, there's even rock music. But what is this? Right. You know, why are they doing that? Why yeah. is he dressed like that? What yeah. is, you know, um, and I mean, so he, so I mean, even now, I mean, because I was listening to the music and I was thinking, well, it's still very good. I mean, you know, there's some very well done songs on there. The, the, the arrangements were very good. Um, 
the sound quality is very good. Um, it holds up, you know, it, it still is interesting to listen to. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's a, yeah, and that glam rock period was was interesting because that was when a lot of different artists, I mean, like him, started to evolve and realize that they didn't have to stay in a certain boundary um, by watching people like T-Rex um, and stuff like that. I mean, even like Bob Dylan, like, um, here, hold on, what's that album called? Uh, Hard Rain, it's a live album, and like, yeah, he's got he's got mascara on. Yeah. He's got makeup on. He, and um, what do you call it? He white faces almost. He he has this really so much makeup. Yeah, makeup, yeah. But yeah. but it was because he had started started to same thing. He started to lean towards that music because it's like what is that? Yeah. And um, and yeah, and that's interesting. And that was only like a year and a half or two year like period. But like to me, I'm like I'm not the biggest Bob Dylan fan. I'm sorry. Um, but that's but that's the one like that album. I really like that album and the tour. Any touring recordings that I've heard like live stuff from that tour, he's just he he takes those songs that he performed before and and, the, and they're all songs that he performed when he went electric. But there was he he like amped them up. Yeah. And 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 I think that was and and if you listen to, I mean, they're all like super high energy the percussion is like super fast and hard the the guitar is just like in your face it's just it's not what you would think of you know when you think of dylan and especially when you see the album cover you see him in the makeup you're like that's oh, yeah. i wouldn't you know that's i don't I didn't think of that and i like yeah it's kind of interesting but yeah very very unique time um do you have anything else um just kind of general on it um no, no okay cool well we can start going uh, track by track okay. um so um it starts it starts off with uh five years um which has that opening beat that steady low mm -hmm. beat um it's almost like the, the the pulse of the song you know like the heartbeat of the song um it's a uh, I really liked it. I mean, the first half of the the first half of the album is my side A. I guess is like my favorite side, just because um, I guess it's it's kind of more on the positive side while still being you know doom riddled you know with these you know innuendos of the end of the earth coming, um, but it's still the the the, the music. Um, the way it's composed, there's still that that different feel to it. Um, like this one, I like how, you know, it starts off like he's calm and he's talking like to him, basically kind of, it seems like he's talking from perspectives of earthlings, whether they're kids or they're, they're people, um, uh, adults. Um, and then by the end of it, he's talking from, um, from Ziggy's perspective, almost like a warning yelling out, you know, there's only five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this track kind of sets the stage of, of that doom state of the earth that aren't, you know, a looming Armageddon, um, that's we only have five years to do something about it and this you know alien rock star has appeared to to warn us of this um i i it, it, it i like uh, i and like this one is also kind of proto-punk because you get you, although it's calm by the end of it he's he's screaming, he's screaming. and he's you know he's just in the intensity um but yeah the song sets the stage for the concept um the 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 middle parts um, that describe different people's like perspectives, like mm -hmm. from a from a soldier, you know, who hears it, and and um, well, he, the soldier with a broken arm, so you know, he's he's come back, and he's he's reeling from it because he says a soldier staring at a steering wheel. Um, um, 
with the, the like there's a girl that loses her mind um it's just yeah. all this kind of stuff it's just people yeah. people respond to it differently they either shut down they they get more volatile well i see it being almost a, a very c- a cinematic imagery you know i think i saw you in an ice cream parlor drinking milkshakes cold and long yeah. smiling and waving and looking so fine it, it's describing uh, i think it even says in one of the things i read that he he had been really uh, impressed with a with an actress and and so he he's that's kind of a little bit of an uh, he's alluding to that but mm. my point is when you, like you said it's it's like a um, an overview of like like almost like snippets of a of a movie right you know as he's describing scenes well, it's very uh, dynamic it's yeah. like as he's describing it and you can see it you can imagine because it's, it's the little details that make yeah. it that, that make it relatable like like the soldier it's like saying that you know with a broken heart you can picture this guy sitting bunched up in his car staring at his steering wheel because he's just zoning out doesn't know how to how to reel from it um and and in other lines like here sorry let me move my mic up really quick um like the uh the one where he says uh, i mean yeah because i mean he he creates scenes he's creating these theatric scenes that you can you can visualize like where he says you know a cop knelt and kissed the the feet of a priest and a queer threw up at the side of that yeah. it's like it's his first mention of you know some form of sexual orientation on this album um but it's like a it's a side statement of culture you know at the time and it's also he's setting up that scene that you could you could see that um Sorry. Oh, that was the fridge. Sorry, I could hear the hissing. Um, and um, so it's it's very it's very unique because he's he's talking about relatable things, but also talking about you know parts of culture that people might not not agree with. But he's talking about it because it's it's still relevant. Yeah, <laughs> it's still relative. Well, to the people. phrase keeps coming to me. Five years stuck on my eyes. You know, like uh, it's almost like he's it's that's how you would see things, right? In your memory, you know, you stuck on my eyes. He's looking at things and, and they're making observations, and some of them are, you know, basic sims, you know, simple things that everybody sees. But mm. uh, but at the same time, I think it's very cinematic. It's very. Yeah. Uh, you know, it has that feel of a movie, of a of a of a sweep of things, and um, kind of like you said, it's introducing you know the what's happening, what is the setting for what's about to happen. You know, yeah. this this being is going to be presented. Um, yeah. Well, my favorite line from the song is the uh, uh, towards the end. He says, um, "And it was cold and it rained, so I felt like an actor, and I thought of Ma, and I want to go back there. Your face, your race, the way that you talk. I kiss you. You're beautiful. I want you to walk." Yeah, I love that line. It's so inspirational because that line in itself, I feel like, is directed towards the person who doesn't know who they are yet. Or is is still figuring themselves out, and he's kind of telling you, you know, all that you are is all that you are, and you just need to stay at it. And and I don't know, it, and especially for like like he's he's referencing this, you know, this queer bisexual star, or or even just the people that he's describing, because that was just a person that he was describing, like an earthling. So it, it's almost that 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 self awareness of like you may be different, but. You know, that's what makes you beautiful. I also see it being he. It's where do you go to when you're hiding? You you go to the movies, right? You sit, you mm. watch a movie. You you get uh, um, immersed in a film or a scene. So I kiss you. You're beautiful. I want you to walk. It's, it's very cinematic. You know what I mean? Mm. There's you know what are, what are the scenes you see so many times? Like they kiss. You're beautiful, and and people are walking away, or yeah. you know those. Well, I also take this line as an interpretation of. 
that relatable feeling, I don't know how to describe it, but what all of us feel like when we see a, a superstar or a celebrity and they have that, I'll just call it the X factor. They have something about them that makes them different, right? Yeah. What, what got them there? You know, you want to watch. Well, well, but but there's something there that got them there because I'm not there, so they're yeah. little, they're different, right? And so that's what I that's what it gives me that imagery of is this is kind of someone mulling over that X factor and and not realizing it, like realizing that like you're you're wrapped up in the person that you may be one day if you stay disciplined at it like by saying like you know like a kid a kid feels like a superhero when they're jumping through the air because you know it's like i'm flying and it's like in this one he's more dramatic though as an adult um you know more melancholy adult serious thing where it's rain it was cold and it rained and it, it was on cue so it, i felt like an actor um you know, I, I thought about my my family and and my my connection to my family. And I, I want to go back there and 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 thinking about all that you are as that um, I don't know as that person you're developing and that you 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 still think of where you're coming from, but you you have these cues that set you up to be you know because I just take that first line and it, it, and I felt like an actor. It's like I I'm I'm somewhere different. I'm 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 on the road to something mm -hmm. different and um well it's that again I think it's that big screen uh, imagery, you know, you you you're watching them. And so he's I mean to me it's almost like he's saying I what I want is you to watch me. In other words, mm -hmm. I'm going to create an actor. I'm going to create a character and I want you to watch me, you know, because I'm going to uh, I'm going to perform yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and so in a sense, it's kind of a, it's again, it's taking a Sergeant Pepper concept to a, to a different level or a different direction, because the Beatles didn't necessarily ask you to follow Sergeant Pepper or or look or believe in Sergeant Pepper. He's basically saying, I'm gonna present Ziggy to you. Yeah, some kind of like Messiah type. Yeah, and I want you to see why they followed him. Right. You know, what yeah. was it that drove people to him? But, but again, it's it's very much cinematic. I just keep going back to that word. It's it, He he sees the imagery. He sees the, the concepts of, you know, what is it that people do when they watch a movie or they get caught up in a character. He, that's yeah. what he's going to do. Yeah. You're going yeah. to get caught up in this character. You know? yeah. and so he has to be big. He has to be lost. flamboyant. He yeah. has to be different. Otherwise, you're not going to pay attention to him. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, like we said before, then it ends with him screaming, and it, it's more like he's screaming from as Ziggy as a warning. Um, and yeah, yeah. And then, and then it's still ending with that steady beat, with that that pulse. Yeah, and the, the kind of screeching strings, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like something's coming. Something's looming. Something. Yeah, very science, science fictionish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, and then it, it moves into um, Soul Love, which is one of my favorite on the album. It, it might, it, it, Starman used to be my favorite for the longest time, um, but this one might start to become my favorite. I just, I like the um, same thing. I like the imagery, the scenes he sets up. I love the 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 energy of the song. It's kind of got this. Um, it's more positive. It's more. It, 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 that's what it is. It's like this one was the the you know the doom looming intro. Or the first one. I'm sorry. Um, 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 five years. And then soul love is more of the optimistic embrace of what's going on. Um, but it's it's more kind of like jazz like. It's got the sax in it. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but with a, with the hard rock like chorus. You know with the with you know which is which is very interesting because it it's kind of groovy and then all of a sudden. And it comes in harder Ronson. and it goes back into the yeah. groove and then it comes back. Um, but it's, um, uh, 
it's 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 the the love experience from different perspectives basically like cuz you see you see a mother you know grieving her fallen son who was a soldier you see a, a new love with a boy and a girl you're talking about um um, you know, spiritual love and passion. I mean, like in the chorus where he says, uh, just to, just to touch, um, the flaming dove, you know, like to me, like that's like, mm-hmm. that's that, that's what that is to me. Um, and soul love when, when he talks about the priests and stuff like that. Um, my, my favorite line in this, in this song is, um, inspirations have I none just to touch the flaming dove. All I have is my love of love, but love is not loving. Yeah. But love is not loving. Yeah. And that last line is my favorite of that entire favorite line because what that to me my impression of that is um love is not loving it's that love isn't just the act of you loving something love is is the you know is the cohesion of both sides of that they they love you in return that is what love is that risk that mutual you know respect and appreciation um yeah, and I love that line. It's a, I think it's a car, um, uh, but uh, yeah, I love that line. And and the way he, the way they, it, it, it's it's composed in the song, where it's like he, that's the last, that's the last thing he says, and he come in with that little that mm-hmm. sax uh, mm-hmm. solo. I love that. That's an awesome sax solo um, by Bowie, by the way. Um, and and I do like this song. How there there's still guitar in it. Like besides the chorus, the the heavier part, there's a guitar in it. But the the car the guitar is almost like an ad lib. It's in the it's in the background doing these little like, you know, little like sometimes he's just like he's going like he doesn't even do a full power chord or anything. He just he just takes it and and runs up the fretboard just to just for that crazy distorted sound in the background or a little like ding ding ding. He's plucking like just a few you know uh, sequences in the background. Um, but yeah, and, and that guitar solo just cuts through. It's so so strong at the end um or or it plays it out at, mm-hmm, towards the end mm-hmm. um but yeah that's a really cool song i really enjoy this one um do you have any anything else on that one mm-hmm. um and then it leads into uh immediately it, like as soon as it ends it starts off with moon age daydream um yeah which has now become more of a well-known classic of bowie's um due to um like i've seen in like two tv shows you have used it in the last few years and it was in guardians of the galaxy i think it was guardians of the galaxy that kind of upped up the game mm-hmm. um on people's awareness like you know a broader awareness of the song because i mean that i mean that song fit the vibe of guardians really well oh, yeah. um it's a definite space song yeah no um but yeah that that's a um that's a, a, a that's another one of my favorites on this album just because it's so it's so high energy you know it just mm-hmm. it keeps you entertained the whole the whole way in in and out it's just it's hard hitting the whole time um and I, I read that he he wrote this um, like oh oh I mentioned this earlier that he wrote this when he was touring in America like a couple of years prior, and um, and he re- and he recorded it um, I think it was with a, a another band called the maybe the Acorns or something like that but the band that he didn't he wasn't with were actually a long on time. that CD you gave me um, the the CD the two mm-hmm. I think they have this the oh do they have that version the or? version oh. yeah and it's very different yeah yeah it's almost Interesting. almost uh, hickish hillbillyish mm. <laughs> yeah it's very different from, huh. totally different well it flopped yeah. big time big time I big can see time. why yeah, yeah. yeah. and but, I think the 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 B side uh, I think it's uh, hang on to yourself was oh. the B side yeah yeah and it was totally different yeah, it was and totally it also different. had to be rewritten um, 
so yeah, because it, 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 when I first read that, I was like, this flop? What do you mean? And then it was like, oh, it's totally, you know, Ronson. I mean, that's the thing, too. This, I feel like this and, and, and Ziggy, Stardust, the, the, the track itself, those are like prime Ronson on this album. Because yeah. like he's, he, he's, he's leading the way. And the other thing I, I, I didn't know is he was um, the pianist on the album. Um, and he was the uh, he did most of the string arrangements. I saw that he helped him and Bowie, Bowie did the arrangements, but it was Ronson who did a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean he, I mean, and you see his versatility when he breaks off from here and works with Lou Reed on the on Transformer and and um, and other stuff. But like he, he's he's like a underappreciated. No, he doesn't. Person. I don't think yeah. he gets enough uh, recognition for what he did. And and, and it, to me, Moon Age Day Dream is definitely one of the songs that defines Bowie. It, it's the yeah. you, it would be if you were tell me, well, what song do you think would you tell someone listen to this because it's Bowie? Well, that's it's Moon Age Day Dream to me mm. uh, because it's so different. It's so science fictiony and space and uh, but, space age. But uh, proud. And it's flashy. Yeah, it's even the, the yeah the arrangement and the way it's done. It's a very different song. Uh, um, and it still is a different song when yeah. you listen to it. I mean, it, it has a very unique uh, uh, structure. Well, it fits the bill of an alien rock star. Oh, big time. It fits them completely. Yeah. And you see them both. I guess it's where they really mesh, you know, where, where like, like if you want to compare them, I mean, it's like if, when Lennon and McCartney really connect on a song or, or they do something, it they create something that's different, you know what I mean, that, yeah. you, that's, that's unique to them. And that, yeah. to me, this song is that for them. Yeah. That um, it shows their their creativity um, that you know they were willing to try that style, which yeah. is you know especially when you listen to the other version, mm. it's it's a far cry. It's totally totally different, hmm. but uh, but it's also very different from anything that was happening at that time. You know mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Um, so I'm sure that in that day uh, when people heard that song for the first time, like what is that? You yeah. know, what I mean, and uh, you know, but to see him on stage, then you realize, oh okay, he's He's that's he's that that's what he is. He's yeah. That's that's. Well, this is really Ziggy's intro. This is Ziggy, yeah. Because the the first two are more, like I mean, honestly, I mean, well, the first track sets the tone, you know, but it doesn't describe the character yeah. really. Um, the second one could be on I don't want to say any album, but you know, Soul Love doesn't necessarily have to be on this concept album, you know. Right. Um, but then this one is a very clear cut, you know, conceptual piece explaining, you know his attitude and and um and it's got that 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 heavy proto-punk rock you know guitar um but it's um yeah i mean this is the this is the first song that really describes the character himself you know by using you know like alligator like he's aggressive you know he's a a, 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 ray gun to my head yeah he's a space invader he's a he's a rock and rolling bitch like he he because that's the thing about this album He, he swaps out the gender of ziggy you know every other song it's something a little different and 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 that's what he i mean that's what it is it's just it's it's totally different yeah. you know and he's this a grace aggressive space traveling you know yeah, a, a proud character, but you know, but he's come because he knows the Earth needs them. <laughs> he needs him, you know. Whether it's because uh, he, to him the solution is rock, and and because the audience of of the world is now appreciative of this magic <laughs> that he can bring and and actually you know do things with. But the the song itself, like it, it doesn't tie into that. Um, mission of coming to earth it it's all about this is who the the character is yeah. um yeah it's a it's a it's a pretty fun ride of a song <laughs> 
using the space themes and um, stuff. It's a, it's it's very interesting. Oh, it's, a it's a memorable song. You're not going to forget it. Um, it's high energy. It's uh, you know kind of like Mark Bowen st- uh, uh, inspired because oh, yeah. at that time period, especially the last two years, he got more and, and so did like people like Pink Floyd and stuff. That late '60s period is where you're, you you kind of get that space rock. You know, there was like that stint of pe- mm-hmm. time where like everybody was trying out something that was kind of that spacey rock sound um, or trance rock. You know, just something different. Um, and 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 this one though, it it. it 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 takes that, but then it just cranks it up to eleven. Yeah, <laughs> and and then on top of that, it ends with you know a, 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 a gnarly solo um, mm-hmm. by Ronson that um, I didn't know this, but it was mostly improv that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that crazy ending to the song is just totally just him, everybody just taking hands off and just letting Rono in the corner just, just go nuts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that's awesome. That's it's an incredible song. Love it. Um, you got anything else on that no, one? No, no. Cool. Um, and the next one is uh, Starman, uh, which uh, we we've already touched on. How um, the only reason why it existed was RCA had requested a a um, a single that was approachable, you know, and 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 that they could send out. Because I'm sure they might have been a little weirded out because they don't know what you know. He's changing all the time. They said he's going to be something different for the tour. And then I mean, like we've talked about, his last singles weren't. I mean, Hunky Dory was successful, but it was successful later on. Like, it, it wasn't like an immediate explosion for them. And that was like the interesting thing that, that, that Anchi and them men- mentioned in that documentary is, is they were selling records, but like RCA, like I was saying before, how they used to send them to the suites and give them the limos to everywhere. And like, it's like they were treating them like they were selling millions of copies, but they, they weren't yet. Um, so I, I kind of have that curiosity of, you know, it's almost like someone in there was was had confidence that this is this is an evolution we're watching this isn't this isn't it because i think that that happens with all artists that when you meet them and they, they'll present a work unless they've been working on it for a really long time that might just be a phase they're in and so if you're a really experienced producer you might let them flesh it out you know you see the foundations of something new um and then well like this band they took it somewhere totally different totally different um but it's the um with Starman, this to me, it, it's it's good placement right after mm-hmm. Moon Age Daydream because it's like the um, it's the other side. It's like Moon Age Daydream is like the aggressive, intense descriptor of Ziggy, and then this brings you back to why he's you know con- the concept, why he's apparently yeah. on Earth, and it's the more it's a more like um, hopeful, approachable song. You know, right, for his he says it's it's crazy cosmic jive, right? I mean, it's mm. you know, meaning is say this is just something kind of hip. It's but I'm a star man, you know. What I mean, and yeah. what do you want? I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, you know, that's that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, you know, and uh, but again, like you said, the the beat is very um, it's popish, but still different still a mm. little dangerous like you know well, what is the star man what is he yeah. what is he up to and it's kind of an interesting song because the um the the guitar like the solo specifically it almost sounds like 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 leonard skinner or something you know like it doesn't sound like you would like the rest of the album to yeah. me to me it sounds more american or more like i don't and know it could show some american influence yeah you know? yeah um but the um yeah, and and then and then the song it describes how this this character, the Ziggy character, he's bringing hope 
through the radio, mm-hmm. you know, which I, again, I'm just going to throw, throw that back. Like, I feel like that's also tying into that star, that celebrity ego of, I'm not just doing art that this, a lot of people like it's giving meaning to people. It's giving substance, it's giving direction to people and somehow, and, and while he might've written the character being in that mindset, you know, I feel like maybe eventually all, all people, especially when, when the, the tickets are constantly selling out. You just you mm-hmm. dive into that eventually. Um, but um, this one had also had a string arrangement by yeah. Uh, yeah. Ronson. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a great song, classic solo. Something like um, the Children Boogie. You know, yeah. That's, I mean, it's. Um, It'll get know. stuck in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it really will. <laughs> you got anything else on that one? Um, I don't know. I guess it's to me. It's just another song that defines. It's a definite. It's a. It's, it's a definitive Bowie song, um, and it, and it captures that period. Um, and to see that song, I mean, I can only imagine. Well, I do remember to a certain extent. You know, seeing that song for the first time on on some pop show and going, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and but oh they, yeah, because they, they performed it. They for, performed uh, it. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, well, and Angie, she talks about that performance, about how a lot of musicians um, became musicians by being inspired by seeing that performance because they were so comfortable, because they weren't in their positions doing their thing. No. They were they were one. Like oh, I was saying before, like kind of like the Beatles in those early years. Everything they did, they did together. And so when they were on the stage, it was just another day. Let's do our thing that we've been working on. And and you see that dynamic between Bowie and Ronson, where you know Bowie's got his twelve string and Ronson's just wailing on his thing. And then you know at one point, you know he he wraps his arms around Ronson and they're singing the song together. And it's just a it's a comfortable camaraderie. You know high more 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 group you know like they, they they're high energy they know what they're doing you and know? he's you're used to seeing his uh, theatrics and his you know, dress and the way he's hair yeah. and and so you're saying okay well what is this again it's this is a uh, it, it what we look at and think of as rock musicians or, or rock bands or rock stars this is kind of really the prototype in a certain way in yeah. some ways it takes you're this isn't the Meet the Beatles, you know what I mean? This has changed dramatically, whereas when the Beatles or Elvis Presley arrived on the scene in that day, parents were shocked, you know, oh my gosh, he's moving, oh my gosh, their hair is so long. Yeah, his and hips are moving. Now you get to <laughs> Ziggy Stardust, like, oh, you know, where do we start, you know, yeah. you know, and so. Yeah, especially, yeah, with this, well, I mean, with this album and with The Man Who Sold the World, it's like, Bowie had these also like sexual themes, yeah, he, you know, riddled well, throughout he of was it. Androgynous, right? I mean, you didn't yeah. know what he was, where, what he was coming from. Is he, you know, why does he look like that? Why does he look like this? Why does he dress that way? You know, and well, or I mean, and blunt, like just more common, like sexual. Oh yeah, like, he's talking about it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. with like Aladdin Sane, especially like there's just yeah. gets in that more mode. Which yeah, yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's so different. It's it's so different, especially yeah, like what you're saying at that time, like, and, and especially if you're going to try and compare it to just a decade prior, even five years prior, yeah, this, is, this is you know you would show up in a suit and shake the host's hand and oh, you yeah. talk and then you go on the the show and then you perform, but they would go tell you what you can't say and what you can't do, but um, but yeah, he was, he was kind of just letting the, his flag fly, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anything? No, that's on that one. Um, uh, so after Starman is uh, it's it ain't easy, uh, which I didn't know that was a cover. 
Um, oh, I didn't know that. Either. Yeah, yeah, it's a cover by uh, an American artist named, um, I think he's an American artist, uh, Ron Davies is his name. Um, it's a, that's another, uh, what's the other one? Uh, soul Love. Like, you know how Soul Love ha- it, it has that calm, you know, mm-hmm. high energy vibe or, 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 you know, jazzy vibe and it hit, the guitar comes in on the courts and hits really hard um, with It Ain't Easy. It's it's kind of similar kind of thing going on because you have the, the, the harpsichord going mm-hmm. um, and then um, and then the drums and the guitar come in um, as, the, as the, the chorus hits and it makes it just, you know, you, you, you get like a stack of bricks. It just like lays on you and you just hit you. Um, it's a, it's an interesting song. You know, it, it is a cover, but it's, um, he makes it his own, his you know, own. with his, with his character and the, and the, the, like it had his little, his little like yeah. noises he makes after he says a line and stuff like that. Jeez, he's sassy. Yeah. yeah. He's being sassy when he's yeah. singing, you know, he's not just, you know, singing this old tune or whatever. It's like, he's going to make it his own. Um, yeah, he does the melodramatic. It, and it, it doesn't really tie into the narrative. Oh. I mean, I, I mean, I was thinking about it, like, like it, it kind of, kind of can. How it's not gonna be easy to, you know. I mean, because the song is about it, it, it's not easy to get to heaven when you're going down. I mean, it's not easy to, to, to get to heaven if you're not living right. And so, I mean, it is talking about being aware of your actions and stuff like that, um, which ties into like what the audience would probably need to be aware of. So, if anything, it's kind of like a reflection on that. Um, but it's uh yeah i don't know it's 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 a good it's a good song um but it's uh it's um i'm sorry i'm trying to read my notes i don't even know <laughs> i can't understand what i read um uh, good lord i wrote it too fast well i read that um too that um you know there were some some of the songs were not necessarily they didn't they didn't necessarily, they came at part of it was conceptual, you know, like the, obviously Moon Edge Daydream and Starman yeah. and, uh, you know, Ziggy and the, the, but there were some songs that they just put in, you know, they put in there mm-hmm. and, but it still kind of fit, fit the, um, the, the scheme of the, you know, yeah. the feel, the overall feel of it. Um, but it doesn't just take away from it either. You know I mean? Um, you know, again, like you said, that they, they the the Bowie Ronson touch, they that's what you feel on that song. You know that they make it them their own. They're they're like they're at that point where they're working together to they can take a song and and make it sound like them. Yeah. You know? uh, which, like you said, reflects that they were had been together for a while and they yeah. spent a lot of time doing. They they knew obviously what they wanted overall. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't think they so much said, well, let's make a. As it was going, I think, and obviously as Bowie took on the persona and began to dress like, you know, reflect Ziggy, uh, um, then the songs began to come together. Um, and it basically, when the whole album is structured that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the cover and everything is implying that, hey, that's him. That's the guy. Mm. Um, but no, it is a good song. I mean, I, it's still like you know, to listen to it yeah well and it shows um well i mean the whole album shows ronson's um profession at using the how great he was at being and using his guitar but it, it like this one there's a few songs where the ad-libs and the little sounds he's making in the background that accompany the song it really shows how he's not just playing his guitar i mean he's singing with his guitar he's talking mm-hmm. you know he's making these little noises these little you know things to 
you know, just like Bowie's adding his little, you know, tones and, and different ad, uh, you know, noises and ends to to how he's singing. This is how he, you know, this is how he's talking. He's talking to you through his guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a pretty unique song. Um, then after that is um, it's one of my favorites on the album too, um, Lady Stardust. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Ronson on the the piano. He does that that piano part, which is really beautiful. It's really oh yeah, it is. It, it, it's a really beautiful arrangement. Um, this one continues to, to describe the androgynous nature or the mm-hmm. characters of the of this uh, character, um, you know, by the uh, by describing him by the the makeup on his face, mm-hmm. uh, long blonde hair, bright blue jeans, uh, you know, creature fair. Lady Stardust played his songs of darkness and dismay. Yeah, it's a. I really like that song. Um, it's. Uh, he he describes Lady Stardust purposely, you know, as this performer, but he swaps um, describing Lady Stardust as a he and a she, mm-hmm. on and off. Um, he even quotes um, Alfred Douglas, who was um, Oscar Wilde, if I'm not mistaken. He was like Oscar Wilde's lover. Oh my! Uh, and and in that line where he says, um, "I smile sadly for a love I could not obey." Mm. Um, that's one of his lines or one of his writings. Um, it's a, I really like this song cause just like the, um, um, some of the previous ones, it, it, it's theatrical. It, you can see it's it. It's very theatrical. You, you can, but you can see it. You can envision mm-hmm. this character on stage. Um, the people, you know, the, 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 uh, the men, you know, the men standing up on stairs, or I'm standing up on, on chairs, um, just yeah, it just you, it paints a picture and you can see it. Well, that's why I laugh because of the line. You know, he really quite paradise the way he says it. It's very um, um, sarcastic, almost. You know, uh, throwaway line. You know, uh, just how he. I guess at the very end when he's really quite paradise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, it's a very much a. A Ziggy description of Ziggy. Yeah. Well, it's like he's describing like a star, in, yeah, in 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 his prime, in in a in a um, in an audience that is you know I- intrigued and and focused, mm-hmm. um, and it's paradise. You know, like to that's what it feels like to me. Is like it's he's describing how it feels to be a star and how it also feels to be judged by being a star. How you're looked at. Yeah, and, and how you look just by how you look. Um, and that being maybe the only cue that people care about is the cover of the book. They don't care about the writer, you know. Um, do you have anything else on no, that one? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, then after that is, uh, is Star. Um, it's very fast-paced, um, especially compared to Lady Stardust. Um, it's got more of that kind of that 60s rock, that early 60s rock kind of sound, especially with the piano, the dun 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 um, but it, it's more, yeah, it's something more like the the Stones would do, you know, or maybe early Beatles or something. Um, but it's um, uh, it's Ziggy kind of pondering how he could make make it all worthwhile. I mean, that's verbatim what he says in the line, but but it is. That's what he's trying to figure out is is how how he can he he can make well again keeping the concept in mind. It's almost like how can I do everything I want in my, you know, in my dreams, but then still save the world too. <laughs> you know, how can I make that the same thing? And, and to him, it would make it all worthwhile if he could just become the star and become the, the voice on the radio. Um, 
it shows it, it, and it kind of also highlights the the ideas of what becoming a star is kind of yeah. like um and uh and 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 also the the um the frustration like some of this frustration that ties into that that having that dream and and trying to make that into a career or just a life path um it's a shorter song um do you have anything to add for that one oh, i'm just thinking of um the lyric isn't that where he says i can fall asleep at night as a rock and roll star Right? I think so. Yeah, I could fall asleep at night as a rock and roll star. Mm -hmm. I could fall in love all right as, as a rock, rock and roll star. star. Just watch me now. Just watch me now. Yeah. <laughs> always like that. <laughs> Just watch me now. Um, that's all I have for that one. Um, but again, like you said, it's it's a very um, it's a, a voyeurish. I mean, in other words, he doesn't. He 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 doesn't want you to not watch him. In other words, yeah. in other words, and so that's really the gist of that song is keep your eyes on me because I'm the star. Right? Yeah. And whether I'm the star man or I'm the star. Yeah. You know, just watch me now. Yeah. Because you know? I'm going to change. I'm going to do something different. Yeah. But you know, keep your eye on me because I'm it. Yeah. You know and, you, I mean? and you can't miss me because. No, don't miss. Okay. Yeah, don't miss me. Yeah. You know? I'm burning bright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And then the the following song, uh, "Hang On to Yourself," um, that that was what we talked about before. That was on the B side of that alternate, which is also, I'm sure, totally different from what this one would become. Um, this one's very punk, that oh, early punk. Great Ronson riff on that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a crazy one. Um, uh, it's also it's also kind of sixty sound, more oh, yeah. sixty sounding, yeah. um, but it's a. Uh, and I think this also is the first song that references the spiders from Mars, like oh, yeah, in yeah, the, in yeah, the lyrics. Does. Yeah, we're the spiders. Um, and then, uh, um, and 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 the song itself, I, my interpretation of it is um, whether it was a reminder to himself <laughs> or what um, is you know hold on to your identity before you know stardom changes you, because um, you know I'm sure. At that at that point, you'd seen the rise and the ending of the Beatles. You saw, and, and you know he he was a big Lennon fan, so I'm sure you know. I mean, Lennon was had it on display how over he was with mm -hmm. the you know the famous thing, and um, and so yeah, I'm sure he maybe had that in mind when he was a young musician in the '60s, appreciating their music and then seeing the toll it took, and then realizing like, you know, maybe I need to be careful and just remember who I am and not. Or the original inspiration, Vince Taylor, meaning. You know, oh, yeah. You look at what happened to him. He didn't hang on to himself. Yeah. You know, he, he lost himself. So you better, if you, if you think you're going to make it, you know, you better hang on to yourself. I mean, yeah. Almost a. It's almost like a warning. Like, like you better a, know who you himself, are. To you, yeah, that this, this thing can consume you, you yeah. know, which is the whole point, which is really what he ends up saying right. about yeah. Ziggy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and becoming. Um, anything else on that one? All right, cool. Um, and the next one is, uh, is Ziggy Stardust. This one has such a classic opening. Um, another song that will get stuck in your head, or at least that riff will get stuck in your head. Um, that, that primal, intense guitar. Um, it, it's, it's, the, it's the song that also starts to describe the character, but from another perspective. It's almost like from the, a band, from one of the, the spiders' perspective or from an audience member's perspective of what his legend was, you know, what he was like to experience him or see him. Mm. Um, it's, 
it, it could. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's the story of an alien rock star. That's, yeah. what, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, you know, and he has lines in it that kind of allude to inspirations from other real um, um, rock stars at the time. Like the uh, he played it left hand, but he played it all too far. Um, like Hendrix, you know, uh, it's more it's more sexual. I mean, like this one, not not in talking about you know gender or anything like that, um, or orientation, but just like literally, like just talking about like in sexual nature and like describing his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, man, my writing's terrible. <laughs> I need to type this next time. Um, and like what we said before, and this is Ziggy uh, also getting wrapped up in the in being self-obsessed and being oh, the yeah. star and in the yeah making love with his ego. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, classic line. He's the leper messiah. Yeah, and then uh, and then towards the end, you know, he says the line um, had to break up the band. Um, so it's kind of like you you're. By the end of the song, the way the story is going, kind of, it seems like he, this character is reckless. It's mm-hmm. like he, he's, he's appreciated and by maybe the audience. He's giving them a little clue, letting, hey, if, if Ziggy and the song had to break up the band, I'm going to do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah like he said in the president. So. Kind of giving them a forewarning. If you're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's Ziggy. Yeah. And the spiders. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's Ziggy Stardust and the spiders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's a cl- classic song. Um, you have anything else on that mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. Cool. And then uh, the one after that is another one, a uh, classic one, uh, Suffragette City. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a, kind of a, kind of got that little Richard kind of piano mm-hmm. inspired, you know, uh, shuffle or whatever you call it. Um, uh, I didn't know this, but this this song they originally he wrote and presented it to Mott the Hoople, oh. and and they didn't want it, and they chose all um, the young dudes, all the young dudes instead, um, which Ronson also played the guitar on yeah. um, for them and toured with them um, to play those parts. Um, I also read that it's a uh, it's not as noticeable, um, but it's one of uh, Bowie's first um, songs that he uses a synthesizer on. Um, yeah, and the specific synthesizer he used, um, I, I don't, I don't know why I didn't do it, but I didn't write down the model of it. Um, it, uh, it was the same synthesizer that he would use with uh, Eno on um, the, the oh, trilogy. No? Well, on the total trilogy, he would use it oh, really? like in and out. Yeah, and Heroes and Lodger. Yeah, yeah. So he, it, it, it's it's more subtle on this song, but. Um, but it's it's a it's a piece of equipment that apparently he they use. He likes to use. Well, this was the beginning of him getting, getting familiar with it. Um, what else? Um, you know, suffragette still kind of carrying over that sexual vibe. Um, the uh, the classic my my favorite line, which I mean it's the chorus, but it's my favorite part of the song is the "Don't lean on me, man, because you can't afford the can't ticket." Afford the ticket. <laughs> It's a, it's a classic. Yeah, she's a total blam blam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's a very intense net, you know, uh, neck breaking speed kind of. Yeah, song. It's, it's it's very. <clears throat> you know, just, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's that punk like yeah, that kind of Ramones it, it kind of like that, that high energy. Very intense. It's almost like you know, if you're listening to this while you're driving, you're going to accidentally go ten miles over the speed limit. <laughs> um, just because it's just so like yeah, it's so fast paced and then uh, it has that false ending um and it comes back um it's yeah it's, it's a it's a pretty cool one um 
and then and that's the second to last track on the album actually um, and then um, following that one is the is the is the ender um, rock and roll suicide um, which starts off as an acoustic piece and works its way up to the full band and then works its way up to the band and the orchestra um, and um, yeah, with an epic ending, and you know it's got that that day in the life kind of feel. Where oh, no. again, a very c- a cinematic song. Yeah, very much uh, like a montage movie type moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, like time takes a cigarette and puts it in his mouth. Yeah, put a little on your finger, then another finger. I mean, it's it's setting up. Uh, it's like setting up a scene. You know. Yeah. And um, and it's in. I remember when I read about again. Uh, he thought about Vince Taylor because he mm. said this was this was suicide what he did to his career um. and so he said this is rock and roll suicide meaning it he destroyed his his persona him the creation of who he was he mm. destroyed All he it. worked for he destroyed it and so it's like he to me it's almost like he's saying maybe that's what he's saying too is more than likely I'm gonna destroy this character at some point mm. and, and do whether a, intentionally or do not. away with him you know uh, and and because there's an end to him in other words he saw I'm not gonna be Ziggy all my life you know what I mean I'm not gonna go around doing yeah. that I'm gonna change and do something different well and I think maybe he had adopted a perspective that maybe not a lot of typical music listeners at the time or musicians at the time weren't holding which is an artist isn't gonna be the same forever they're not gonna stick around forever you know um, then you know the Beatles came changed the world went and like they're still going on but they've totally they're different they're totally different and and they're not gonna always be here you know, it's it's like why why would I expect my persona at the time to stick? You know, it's never stuck. So why am I going to think of that? Again, um, it's like just watch me now. It's like uh, I'm going to, uh, but but I know uh, a good movie has to have a good ending. You know, in other words, mm. and so it has to be dramatic. It has to be uh, you know fitting close, and that's the song. You know, mm. rock and roll suicide. He's give me your hand. You know, I mean, he's he's selling. You know, you can you can reach out and touch me, but I'm I'm gone. You know, I'm not mm. going to be here much longer. Mm. And, well, this is almost like the disillusion of 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 Ziggy. Like he's he's. Or like the this like uh, he's falling apart. This is him on the second half of the hill. He's he's coming down, and it's just you know he like I guess it it describes him you know wandering in the traffic, stumbling in the roads. Um, he's just he's he's losing his balance, his touch, you know, and it's. Um, it's and with that build up, with that more subtle build up, it, it, it adds the drama, the flair of drama to to this how this is unfolding and and they had this hero who was originally was so proud and knew what he wanted and knew what he was, is um, now he's unraveled, he's unraveling. Um, and like in, in like that, that line you're talking about, the, the time takes a cigarette and puts it in your mouth, you know, it's like the, it's almost like that cigarette is a metaphor for life. You know, you can either take your time and enjoy it and be purposeful in your moves or you can blow right through it. Well, again, I guess I go back to my, my massive amount of, of imagery from old movies and like in particular like, like Bogart and Casablanca or, or movies that a lot of times the, the, you knew it was the end because somebody lit a cigarette and they would mm. they were talking or walking away or that flare of drama. The camera is going away, and they're 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 lighting a cigarette. So when I think he's saying this is the end, so time takes a cigarette. In other words, this is the end. This is the close, and well, that's what that's one of the reasons why I like that song so much because it's to me it's very it's it's drama, it's cinema, it's 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 almost like as if he's well like he's performing on a theater. He's 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 doing a, a, a piece. 
He's, yeah. just, he's just talking. You know, it's no longer. But yet at the end of the song, he goes back to the performing. You know, give me your hand because you're wonderful. In other words, he's, he's, he's talking to the audience, you know, because, you know, when you look at those old videos, he's all at the end. He would always uh, reach out and the people would start reaching out. And he mm. would go and, and touch their hands. Well, that was that was performance. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean Bowie wanted to interact with his fans so much or save them in some oh, way. It was no. just this was the this is what the character would do. Right. Yeah. Don't miss. Don't misinterpret me. I'm not. No. Or uh, or it's more like it's like this is your chance to physically connect with me. It's like you yeah. might have understood me, but we need to connect on another level. You need to touch. We need to be touch like because i like, give me your hand i mean that, that could be interpreted as just the the general sense of it like you need help give me your hand you know yeah. reach out like i i've been here radiating like a star but you never reached out give me your hand you're beautiful what are you doing um because like my favorite line is uh you're you're too old to lose it too young to choose it and the clock waits so patiently on your song and that's kind of like the the end of ziggy but you don't eat when you live too long <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very much a kind of looking back at the same time. You 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 know it's the end. Again, again, it's very much like a movie. Yeah. You know, you you know it's the end. You're kind of looking back at some things, and you just walk away. Mm. You know, and um, well, it's also self-reflective. You know, it's very. I mean, it's very dramatic. This is like the close. This is him. Right. This is him making his last statement of of self-awareness and 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 um, and action. And because, um, like, I mean, it, like this is what it ends with. Just so y'all can be aware, um, it says uh, you're watching yourself, but you're too unfair. You got your head still tangled up. Uh, but if I could only make you care, oh no, love, you're not alone, no matter what or who you've been, no matter when or where you've seen. All the knife seen to lacerate your brain. I've had your, uh, oh, I've had uh, my share. I'll help you with your pain. You're not alone, which he yells. He starts screaming. And, 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 and it, uh, the rest of the music kind of falls out yeah, when he it's says that. Very the, dramatic. Yes, very that's like the, the, the height of mm -hmm. the, the, the present, presentation. Yes. And then and he says, just turn on with me. You're not alone. Let's turn on and, and be not alone. Wonderful. Give me your hands because you're wonderful. Wonderful. Give me your hands. And then it's repeated until it ends. Um, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's Ziggy asking for connection, you know, before it's too late. You know, I think it's, it's also the, the, the human, um, element, uh, to it. The, the, the natural sense of, you know, you don't want to be alone, but you, sometimes you, you're so down, you don't want to necessarily reach out. And sometimes you need someone <laughs> screaming at you, just reminding you that you're, you're not alone. I think it goes back to what you've said a couple of times about being about the rock star concept, the rock star persona that, you know, the, you're you you come to me because you think I'm going to give you meaning or you think I know what I'm doing mm. um, I'm some, I'm probably more messed up than you are. The knives seem to lacerate my brain. In other words, I got my own issues, yeah. so don't think that I'm gonna be your answer. You know, yeah. what I mean? and so it's like we can share in the moment, but you know, but I'm out. You know, what I mean, don't don't hold on to that. And again, very much Bowie, as we know, in his career, that he was going to change and he was going to take on another persona mm. and he was going to take another direction. But he created a character, almost like a. You know, a, a director, a screenwriter. He he came up with Ziggy. He he had the band to get the music to you know the back the, the background for it. He was going to perform it, and then that character was going to walk off the stage. And um, but but 
of course, it, it had to be successful, right? I mean, he he did needed need that success to a certain degree to get the money to keep doing what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, but um, like we know now, the marketing, like you said, what someone at RCA or someone said, you know, we think he's tapping into a group of people that could become very profitable. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll roll the dice on him and see if he taps into that, which he did. Yeah. You know, but. Um, it's also reflects this the self-destructive persona of the rock star you yeah know, and the, the the egomania of the rock star yeah for sure um, you know um, he's full of himself and he knows it I mean he's basically telling you I mean this is me you know get over it I mean if you don't like it that's just how I am I mean I'm but I'm out yeah you know? and, well and then the next album Lad insane just kind of yeah, that. yeah that's where he goes I'm, I'm just a lad insane insane yeah I'm trying to get over what I just did, you know, (laughs) and now everybody wants a piece of me, you know, and, um, and, but yeah, Ziggy is definitely a, uh, to me again, I guess it's probably a reason why I still enjoy it because it, it's very cinematic. It's very movie-ish. Um, it has to reflect that he, he watched movies and he liked characters. He liked that you know how it looked and how it made you feel yeah the element yeah and that people who are ostracized for whatever reason where do they where do they identify they identify with characters on mm-hmm. on, on a big screen because i can disappear into that character yeah. i can i can identify with that person because they're up there and they're bigger than life well he said okay i'll create a character that's up there and bigger than life oh up there i'll be a star man you know and and then i'll uh, perform in front of the people and they can either choose to reject me but if they hate me and they pay attention they're still paying attention yeah i mean (laughs) and that was his point this Mm. i know if anything it'll get people to pay attention yeah and and if it's good then it goes on you know yeah but well and 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 like within it with any type of uh, commercial success i mean you start to feel yourself you start to feel more confident in your moves and after years of you know touring and being a solo artist and then working with people and you know getting a deal getting albums out but still not being you know a huge hit like this was probably him I'm not saying this was him, you know, speaking it into the universe that he's going to be a star, but it's kind of like as he was had that intention to make this character, the character was, you know, reflected back, you know, what, you know, what he was. And then they evolved together, you yeah, know, as this evolved together. in the market, he evolved to realize yeah. like, I could actually be this person. I could be more than this, you know? Yeah, that's true. You have anything else? Nope. Cool. The only other little uh, note I have is, uh, it's totally speculation. It's totally an opinion of mine. Um, I, um, for ki- the Killers fans out there, um, they had an album in 2017 called Wonderful, Wonderful. Uh, this is my last little thing. Is I, I feel like, because he's, he, I know, I know Brandon Flowers is a huge Bowie fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, there's a lot of songs where you could hear like the total, you know, callback. Like there's a, um, um, trying to, I can't remember what specific killer song is, but you know, like I know he's, he's used, um, uh, parts that are very similar to like songs like Ashes to Ashes and, and just, just, you know, just classic Bowie stuff. But, um, I, I never thought of it. I, I, when I, when I, I, cause I, I like this album, the killer's album. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's, it's a great album. It's a wonderful album. Um, it's, and, um, but I never made the connection until, um, cause I, I don't listen to rock and roll suicide all the time. And it's a great song, but it's not one of the ones from the album that I'm like, yeah, put it on my, my best of playlist. Um, 
And so when I was really listening to this album last week or whatever, and I listened to it all the way through, um, I forgot that it ended with that echoed statement, the wonderful, wonderful yeah. at the end. Um, so it's just totally my thought of saying, He's like, I wonder, it. Yeah, yeah, I wonder uh, what oh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah. That's a great album. It's, um, it was the, you know, I think when you first showed me Bowie, um, it started off with Space Oddity. Um, but then the sec the preceding single or song that you showed me, um, was Starman. Um, and so Starman and then, and then Guitar Hero, I think like that same year had come out oh, yeah, they and did. Ziggy Stardust was on the first Ziggy. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the first one. It might've been the second one. Um, but definitely one of those. And, uh, so that was that was my introduction to Bowie were, were those three, um, and then as a teenager, um, at some point when I found out that Ziggy and Starman come from the same album, because because when I was younger, I wasn't thinking in terms of albums. I wasn't thinking in terms of like a piece of work, and yeah. you know, you just don't have that awareness. You just you just want what's popular or what just you know what your ear is keen to, and. Um, when I was a teenager and I found out that two of my favorite Bowie songs, which, cause I would listen to those songs constantly. I even wrote a research paper about space oddity. Um, but you know, I realized that those two, um, those two were on the same album. I listened to the album. I was just blown away. Cause it's just, it's a, well, it's a tremendous you know, work. No, major Tom's another Bowie character. Right? Oh yeah. It was space oddity and ashes to ashes. He's yeah. Yeah. He comes he's back. still floating out there, you know, yeah, stay right. away from major Tom. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Stay away from Ziggy. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is definitely a jumping off point for him as a uh, performer oh, yeah. uh, in Big live, time. in the live sense, him as a, uh, as a character, him as a celebrity and him as a musical influence of being a chameleon, like you said. And a great chameleon. <laughs> He's the rock and roll chameleon. The black star. Hmm. R.I.P. All right. You got All anything right. else? That's it. Cool. That's a good one. All right. Thank Until you. next time, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye.